Resiliency Within with host Elaine Miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute Incorporated. Visit traumaresourceinstitute.com. Welcome to Resiliency Within, featuring your host, Elaine Miller Karras. In unprecedented times, our beliefs and well being are put to the test. When we take the things we've learned in life and look at challenges in a whole new way, we learn to develop resiliency, which can then be used to promote healing and personal strength. Now, here is Elaine Miller Karras. Welcome to Resiliency Within. This is Elaine Miller Karras, your host, and it is my great honor to have my dear friend Natalia Boveska as my guest, coming to you from Ukraine. Today's show is called Reflections of Courage and Resiliency in Ukraine. And I want to share with you a little bit about Natalia and also let you know a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. But she's going to share her insights from living within her beloved country, Ukraine, during the Russian invasion of February 2022. She will share her experiences and her work with EdCamp Ukraine, an association of over 40,000 teachers, um, and also her association with the Trauma Resource Institute. She'll describe her passion for helping her country now and also her vision of how to create support for her people in the future um, when the war ends. She's dedicated to the children of Ukraine and how to support teachers, parents, and community. Today in Ukraine, I wanted to check. Um, this is going to be broadcast on December 5th, but today's November 28th, and their president, Zelensky warns that Russia is planning new strikes on Ukraine and urges his citizens to prepare for the week ahead as electricity remains in short supply. In fact, we were going to have another guest with us, Alexander Elkin, and things had to be changed for what he was doing today because of the challenges they've had with the uh, infrastructure. But I wanted to tell you also, um, I have come to not only appreciate Natalia, but I have probably spent more time with her over the last nine months than I have with many of my family members. We have been involved in support meetings for uh, the EdCap um, Ukraine community, and she has been my translator. So she has been my voice. And I want to say to you, Natalia, how deeply I appreciate um, you. And as I was, we were getting ready for the show, um, I said, Natalia, I need your bio. And there's things that I've just learned about you. And I want them to know just how accomplished you are. She's not only um, a translator, she's an interpreter. She's now a community resiliency model teacher. She's a resiliency advocate. She's life-loving woman, mother, and a proud Ukrainian. After graduating from Kiev Moila Academy, and please, if I didn't spell say that right, let me know. She had her bachelor's in language and literature and a master in jur- journalism. Natalia loves words, and she has spent her life with words. So she's worked for several years as a reporter and editor in daily and monthly printed media. She started translating books, eventually becoming one of the, the best book translators in Ukraine. Her most significant translations... There's many, but I'm just going to name a couple, include Women Who Run With Wolves by Clarissa Piccola Estes and Dreams From My Father by Barack Obama. And since 2019, Natalia has spread C-Learning, that social-emotional learning program from Emory University. We've talked about this on the show before, um, and I've been one of the senior consultants to the C-Learning program, which is how I met uh, the Ukrainians. And since February 2022, Natalia has become actively involved in spreading and supporting resiliency skills among 
Ukrainian teachers, parents, humanitarian workers, her friends. Um, and she's also translated all. I feel so honored that um, we've just, you know, mentioned the, the, our former president of the United States, but she's also <laughs> translated the things that I've written, the community resiliency model into Ukrainian. And we just completed a community resiliency model teacher training where we trained 27 Ukrainians to be teachers. And she was our vital translator that helped us accomplish that. So there's so many ways that she is working right now to um, help her country and to promote resiliency. So welcome, Natalia. Welcome, welcome. Hello, Elaine. Thank you so much. It's so, it's so nice to hear so many things, nice things about myself <laughs> from you. Well, I'm so glad I can I can I can share that with our with our listening community, because I also was thinking that we actually met before the war started. I was asked to speak at a conference um, in Ukraine, of course, on Zoom, and I was speaking about the community resiliency model and other aspects of how we promote well-being. And Natalia and I met then. And she translated my materials. So when the war broke out, I guess it was um, an easy transition for you and I both to work together to try to see if we could bring these wellness skills that I think have not only become important to you, but you know how important they are to me as well, and helping spread it throughout Ukraine. But as we're getting started, what's on your mind today? What, 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 What are you thinking about as we get started with our conversation? I'm thinking about that I've actually known you for longer than that because I've been translated C learning program and curricula, which is social, emotional, and ethical learning um, for almost four years now. And um, it, part of the C learning curriculum uh, is the community resiliency model, which is, uh, which is one of the most favorite ones among Ukrainian teachers because I communicate to teachers who teach C learning a lot and they really love the the crim skills although they don't know it's called crim but they do of the the resiliency skills the wellness skills so i have a feeling that i've known you for a little uh, longer than, well, I, than since we met in person okay well so that, that, that warms my heart because that's the first time you've said that to me and and i i was asking natalia before we uh, started the show is like for example i said you meet the authors when you're translating them and she says well she usually um communicates with the um the production people and the publisher in Ukraine, but um, I feel very honored, and I hope that that it's exciting for me to know that you know know me, and that so when you've translated my words, or interpreted my words, that um, now we have this wonderful personal relationship. So that warms my heart, um, and I just want to say to our listeners that we'll be talking about CRIM, and that means the Community Resiliency Model, which is a set of. Um, six skills that helps to balance the nervous system. And it's very simple to learn for children and adults. And um, that's what we've been doing um, for the nine months that we really have been meeting weekly with Ukrainians. I think there's only been one week that we didn't meet um, that was a result of the war, which was just, I guess, last Wednesday as because of the what's been happening with the um, utilities there. Electricity, yeah. So, Natalia, I, I want to give you an opportunity to say as little or as much as you want about your experience of living in Ukraine right now with the war and all that you have seen and all that you know is happening in your country. Um, Thank you. Um, Well, I'd say I've been a luckier one. 
among uh, all the Ukrainians that we could be talking about, because Ukraine is actually a huge country. I mean, before this full scale war, many people in the world didn't really know much about Ukraine. But now since, since it's been on the news, people get to know more about it. And Ukraine is a very large country in terms of in terms of territory. It's the largest in Europe. It's bigger than France or Germany. Um, just a little um, um less or smaller in terms of population. But in terms of territory, it's huge. And because of the size, probably, we have this very large um, variety of experiences that people are living through uh, amid this war. Because those who live close to the front line or those who stayed in occupation for a couple of weeks or many months now, they have very different experiences from what people in the western part of Ukraine, which is closer to Poland, to Slovakia, to Hungary, have. And that's a much lighter experience, I'd say. But there's not a single person in Ukraine um, of any age, of any gender, of any ethnicity that hasn't experienced this war, at least somehow. And when I say lighter experience for myself and my family and my daughter and parents, I mean, we still have... Air, air raid alerts um, every single week. Um, during the most difficult times, we have them like five or six times per day, and we have to go to shelters anyway because we never know if the missiles can reach us or not. So it's always a risky thing to, to deal with. Um, now that we have these electricity shortages, it affects the entire country regardless of geography because even living like 800 kilometers from the front line, we still have those problems. In in the home of my mom, let's say they only have power for like two or three hours per day. And they know when that might happen or sometimes they don't know when that might happen. But still, as it happens, that they have those two or three hours of electricity, they try to charge their batteries, they try to cook some food, to take a shower, to, you know, to do all those things that you cannot do without electricity. So every single person has been affected. And uh, me and my family... We were a little bit more in a in a more comfortable zone in terms of that. Uh, yeah, but we did have experiences of going to shelters, and we still do, and all those all those things. You know, it was the most it was the scariest of the very first weeks when we didn't know how it might evolve and how it might uh, go. Now that we know where the front line is, now that we know, you know, this is kind of a more stable picture for us right now. But you know, at the very I, beginning, it was all uncertainty, like 100% uncertainty. Yes. So I know that you had shared with me that, you know, you feel like your experience has been lighter and there's other parts of the Ukraine that are definitely, they've lost their loved ones. They've had to bury their children. And so knowing that all this is going on on your country, how does that impact you? Well, that's a difficult question because um, during the first weeks of the war, I kind of um, decided that if I get too deep into being very compassionate and uh, full of empathy to every Ukrainian, I would very soon run out of my sanity, if you know what I mean. So yes. I had to somehow protect myself from going too deep emotionally with what's happening. I still read the news. I still know what's happening, but I, I kind of try to to put this resiliency fence around myself and my family. I wouldn't say that it's some kind of oh, carelessness or something, but I'd call it a resiliency defense around myself so that I 
don't go too deep about that. I mean, there will be time uh, when we win the war that we will have to work as, with all those experiences as of memories. And I realize it would be difficult. But right now, I'm kind of trying to not to get too deep with that. So I know when you said um, you use the word resilience fence. So what does that mean to have a resilience fence? I'd say it's a continuous process of being aware of what's happening with me. Because it's really easy to get carried away by the news or by other people's emotions, especially given the the social media impact that all of us have. You know, yeah. it's like going... I have about 3,000 people, friends on, on Facebook. If I just go to read um, the Facebook feed, everyone is, is expressing their terrible emotions, their terrible experiences they are. So if I'm not aware of myself enough, if I don't track where I am, I can go too deep. And then I end up in a probably, uh, usually it's a low zone, somewhere really in my low zone. And I'm like, Okay, everybody's suffering. We're all going to die. If not from the missiles, then from the electricity shortages, we'll freeze to death or we will um, uh, die of hunger. You know, that's really easy to get carried away by those negative emotions and those negative scenarios if you don't, if you're not aware, if you don't track, if you don't kind of, okay, where am I in? Where Where am I getting in right now as I read those news, as I read the Facebook feed? So this, this resilience defense for me is about, first of all, being aware and tracking myself. Am I carried away right now by what I'm reading? And if I am, okay, I have to shift. I and, have so to- what, and what do you shift to? So, I mean, basically, I mean, Natalia, you're describing, you know, the first skill of the community resiliency model is we say, read your nervous system. Can you differentiate between sensations of distress and well-being? Right. And then you know, not, not to say that we are running away from the distress. I'm not hearing you say that, but what am I going to pay attention to right now? So if you shift, like you, you know, you lean into the distress, but then shifting to what, what do you shift to? Well, I usually shift to something that supports me. And I would um, either, you know, do it through my body, like using one of the uh, body-based uh, skills of the model, which would be like help now strategies, like pu- pu- pushing my, my our hands to the wall really helps, or touching anything and noticing the surface and, you know, getting grounded by that. Or I think of something, I'll, I'll just... Um, I don't know, turn the music on. I'll go and talk to my daughter if if she's in a good mood because she's a teen and she might not always be <laughs> a resource at the moment. Um, so, yeah, shifting to anything that, that supports, that gives strength, that gives optimism. Um, and, um, you know, an interesting thing about this same Facebook feed that we spoke earlier, I mentioned earlier, sometimes it is not a source of, stress, it sometimes is a source of strength because um, the the weird but very beautiful thing about Ukrainians right now is that we are kind of anti-fragile, if I'm putting that right. The more they hit us, the stronger we become instead of breaking huh. down. Yeah. And as I go and read, most of my friends live in Kyiv, the capital of Ukraine, and I lived there for 20 years, but then moved to the western part of Ukraine like a couple of years ago. But still, most of my people, the people in my life, are living currently in Kyiv. And Kyiv has been hit the most in terms of electricity. So as I go there and I'm like, oh, my God, they're unbreakable. And most of my friends would would post like, oh, um, 
we've been without electricity for like 50 hours now, but they're not going to get us. I mean, I'm not, I'm not breaking. And they actually are a support for me uh, better than I can be a support for them. But again, um, what courage, I mean, just thinking about really the courage and resiliency, because it must not be easy to be without electricity for 50 hours. And at the same time, it's not, it's, they're not caving in to, I guess, what the Russians goals are, which is to break the civilian population. But that's not what you're seeing happening at this juncture. It looks like the opposite is happening. They're getting, they're reaching the opposite goals with their um, massive missile strikes. Uh, and that's something amazing about about Ukraine and about Ukrainian people. We didn't know that about ourselves um, back a year ago, let's say. Maybe we didn't think much of it, but we really didn't realize that we could be this this strong and this unbreakable. It's something new that we as a nation are um, exploring about ourselves, but at the same time, it's not that new because if you go back to the 20th century history for Ukraine, that's what our grandparents did during the Great Famine, during the both world wars that came across Ukraine both times, and during the Stalin terror, during the um, the terrors that followed in like 1960s when so many people were um, taken into Siberia, Siberia for, you know, for being of different political views than the Soviet Union would prefer. So this is something new for us. But in fact, we did have that. We just didn't use it and we didn't realize it. We weren't aware of how resilient we are. Well, and I think for your generation, that was something um, I know that's been shared with me. Thought, Well, that was from the past. We were not going to have to experience that in this generation. And so to see that there's a wellspring of that. So that when you say you shift, it's not that you run away from the suffering, is that you pay attention to what else is true about Ukrainians right now. Yeah, probably that's the case. And when I know I'm uh, resourced enough, I'm strong enough, I'm usually so willing to support people who need that. I mean, I have many friends who don't know about their um, internal resiliency yet. Because I believe everyone has that. And I think, Elaine, that, that the, the model says that the research shows that everyone has resilience in them. Which is they do. Don't, don't tap into it. We're just well, not aware of it. And we are, to be honest, many people love being, you know, weak ones or victims because it's so much, um, it's something we are used to, you know. Being, being in a position of a victim doesn't, we don't have to do anything about it. It gives us some kind of protection maybe. But uh, okay, I, what I was saying is that I, when I know of my friends who are not maybe as resilient or don't use it that much, and I know I'm okay, I would go and say, oh, I can, I'm here, I'm by your side. If you need anything, you can talk to me. If you want me, I can share some, some simple things that help me when I'm out of, you know, being calm and, and okay. So that's not, yeah, that's not that I kind of turn around from that. I just try no. to try to keep as sane as possible in order to be able to support the efforts of at camp, let's say, who do um, so many beautiful and important things for the teachers and, and the kids, because this is where the future is. I mean, we are working towards victory and what happens after victory. 
Well, so let me just, let me just say this. I mean, what I'm hearing you say too, is that the human connection, and we know that from all the literature that's been published about how people get through hard times, but that you are that human connection for some people. And then you've had people that have connected to you, I imagine too, and have supported you during these times. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you for saying that. I wasn't, I wasn't fishing for that, but thank you. But maybe we can... Maybe we could segue into um, talking about the kinds of things you have been doing um, since the war broke out to um, to create um, more resiliency throughout Ukraine, not only for yourself, but for others. So maybe we can talk a little bit about um, the, um, I guess it was the day the war started that we had that meeting already scheduled with you and other key members of EdCamp Ukraine, Alexander Elkin, Oleg, I think that's, I think there was... Um, and maybe, why don't you tell us a little bit about that experience and we can weave in some of, of what EdCamp does too for teachers and children. Sure. So you asked uh, what I've been doing to support like larger yes. efforts um, for Ukraine. And I've been a part of EdCamp uh, Ukraine for almost four years now as an interpreter, translator, um as, as a person who supports them in many of their efforts. And EdCamp movement is about supporting teachers in, uh, in their growth as teachers, as human beings, because teachers are very important. They raise uh, and they bring up the new generations of people, of, of human beings, of Ukrainian citizens. Um, so, and teachers, teachers' work is usually underestimated both by the society and by the by the state. So um, this is not a privileged job, uh, to be honest. This is not something um, that you are very much appreciated for, but it's a very difficult one, and it's a very important one. And it's, it, it's, it's crucial in terms of um, bringing new human beings to this planet. So at Camp Ukraine has been supporting people in many different ways. Uh, before the COVID, those were more like peaceful ways and, you know, not that um, crisis oriented, I'd say, but as the COVID bro- broke um, three years ago, uh, we started to to create more opportunities for teachers to, to handle those challenges, you know, to deal with the distance learning, to support themselves, because it was really difficult for many to spend hours inside their homes without, you know, being able to talk to kids and see their students in person. And, uh, and now this new challenge, the challenge of the war, um, several million Ukrainian students fled the country. I'm not sure about the exact number, but it's about three or four million Ukrainian school, school students are currently living abroad and attending schools abroad. Um, several thousands of schools were destroyed, um, several hundred of them like completely, um, that they cannot be rebuilt. And um, Russians do uh, hit schools on purpose man, in many cases. So there's been this huge stress upon students and teachers, and EdCamp has been trying to, to help them in as many ways as possible. And the community of teachers who usually attend our events and our programs reaches about 40,000 uh, school teachers, which is a lot. And that's why being part of this, I think uh, I can make some difference. This is something that this is a great opportunity for me, you know, to do what I do and to have this huge impact because all those teachers, they go to their schools, to their students, 
and they spread this. They they spread these resiliency knowledge that they receive. They spread these efforts. Um, they give them to the kids. So that's something um, very important that they do, and it's a great honor for me to be part of that. And so I guess what I'm what I'm hearing you say too is that oftentimes, like you are the bridge between, let's say myself that I'm bring these skills and the people who've been on our teams through Trauma Resource Institute, which, by the way, is a sponsor of this program today, um, and that then you translate it into Ukrainian. So then we see that thread of humanity come from here I am in the United States through you to all the people in Ukraine that now have the translated versions of our materials that help to support their well-being, not only the teacher's well-being, but also the children's well-being. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am that bridge in terms of language and maybe connections, but the teachers and the ad camp are the ones who are multipliers of those. Yes. They uh, the are doing the, the most important part of the job because they come, they and they do come to our events and to the sessions and to the support calls from from such different conditions. conditions. I mean, some live next to the front line. Some have serious electricity shortages, but still try to 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 log in and, and list, listen to what's happening. So they amaze me and they inspire me because my part of the job is so tiny, to be honest. Oh, they well, do the, the, the key part of it. Well, Natalia, I, I, I beg to differ because I think your part is very important. And um, I cannot believe that our first half an hour has already slipped away. So we're gonna we're gonna pause for a moment and take a break. And I want to just let our listeners know we will come back um, in just a couple minutes, and we will hear more from Natalia's experience and also more about her wisdom as she has also become a community resiliency model teacher. And I want her to share a little bit about what her experience has been with our amazing group of people, the Ukrainians, as well as. I think some of the members of our Trauma Resource Institute that have provided really weekly support in the beginning, daily support to, um, and you were there every single time. So we're going to talk more about supporting people during warfare and how we build resiliency. So we'll be back in just a few moments to continue our conversation. This is Elaine Miller-Karis during the transition, and we'll be back shortly. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Trauma Resource Institute is a nonprofit organization cultivating trauma informed and resiliency focused individuals and communities worldwide. Our mission is to take people from despair to hope. We believe in a world where every child and adult has the capacity to recover from highly stressful and traumatic experiences. Check out iChill, our free app that helps you learn the wellness skills of the community and trauma resiliency models. Go to TraumaResourceInstitute.com for more information. 
Elaine Miller-Karras book, Building Resiliency to Trauma, The Trauma and Community Resiliency Models, is available on Amazon.com. The book is about how to cultivate resiliency during and in the aftermath of traumatic experiences. The book also addresses body-based trauma interventions combined with psychoeducation about the biology of trauma and resiliency. Elaine also offers personal consultations. For more information, you can contact her at elaine at resiliencywithin.com. Elaine Miller-Karras co-founded the Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. The Institute provides trainings on the models Elaine developed, the Community Resiliency Model, or CRM, and the Trauma Resiliency Model, or TRM. If you would like more information about the Trauma Resource Institute or how to participate in trainings, visit the Institute's website at traumaresourceinstitute.com. That's traumaresourceinstitute.com. Trauma Resource Institute. Build resilience. Awaken hope. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. This is Resiliency Within with Elaine miller Karras. To reach the show during our live broadcast, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to elaine at resiliencywithin.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. I am with Natalia Valoveska from Ukraine, and she is sharing with us her experiences of living in Ukraine during the war. She's also the mother of a, a teenager, and she's also has her parents that are also uh, nearby. And we're going to continue our conversation with her. And so, Natalia, let's talk a little bit more. You know, I, actually, I want to ask you, how how are you helping your daughter? I mean, you have a teenager, and as you said earlier, teenagers um, can be quite emotional sometimes. They can sometimes be... Uh, um, their mother's best friend, and sometimes we don't. They want. They don't want to talk to us at all. So, how has the war inf- affected her, and what do you do to help her? Um, the war has probably affected her the way that it did many kids. Um, at first, she was really scared. I remember the first weeks, even before the war, I'd say, as we were getting kind of prepared. And they would talk about it on the news and um, they would train uh, school students to go down to shelters. We, we have shelters under most of the schools uh, left from the post-Soviet and Soviet experiences. So, and as they were trained, let's say, to, to go to shelters, she would be freaking out because of that. And she would come back home and be like, I don't want to talk about that. This is not a possibility. I'm not talking about that experience or the possibility of the war then as it, as it started um she was kind of frozen for for a while i wasn't a community resiliency teacher back then so i didn't probably know that this was her um normal reaction of her nervous system to to this huge amount of stress in, that that we went through but after you know a couple of weeks or months and as i grew better in in wellness skills and as she got more adapted the things started to go better with her. Um, and, um, um, you know, uh, I, I, it's a wonder how flexible uh, we are, how flexible our minds are and nervous systems are in terms of 
um, that we get used to this as a new norm. I mean, having these raid uh, air raid alerts, they are no longer as much stressful as they used to be because we kind of get used to it. I mean, we still do what we have to do, you know, go between the two walls in your house or go to a shelter, but it doesn't freak you out every single time. It doesn't, if, if you are resilient enough. So what I do to help her, I'm trying to make her more aware of herself because I think she still has some, some awareness issues. She hasn't probably, um, become as aware of herself as I am now, but, um, she can take her time. Um, to become more aware. She also knows the basic set of skills. And I help her to identify when she might need ones because she usually, she's like, oh, I, I'm so, you know, I'm so, um, you know, my tummy hurts, my belly hurts, let's say. And she's like, she probably doesn't know why that might happen. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's see what we can do. And then we do something from the community resiliency model, some wellness skills, and she gets back to her resiliency zone and she gets better because her tummy really hurted, not because of, you know, some stomach Something, problems. Yeah, it was because, because of the stress. stress because related. we know that children often somaticize their stress. But you now know how to ask her questions and also to see whether or not, well, if you do, if you bring in one of the resiliency skills and then it clears up, of course, if the stomach didn't clear up, you would take her to a doctor or something else. But oftentimes right. that we can deal with stress in that way. Now, I remember one time you told me that there was a siren and this was towards the beginning of the war and you had to go someplace and, but you taught her how to push against the wall when she was really out of her zone. So I don't know if you could, is that, do, do I remember that, that story correctly? Uh- I don't remember that story, but I know that pushing against the wall is something I would totally recommend, something that helps me all the time. That's my favorite one. I don't really even need to push hard. I only touch the wall and I'm like, okay, this really helps. Um, But um, for her, um, she sometimes, well, she does know which skills are better for her and which are not. And she sometimes chooses them depending on her mood. She would go like, oh, I don't feel like counting colors, you know? leave me alone with your colors. We can do something else. Or I don't, I don't want to do this today. I want to do that. So I'm happy this is happening. I mean, she's, she's a very anxious young lady and she has her share of like her natural anxiety in her, regardless of what we're currently living through. Um, But thanks to the, to the skills of the model, we can deal with that much faster and in a much more aware way you know, because we know what's helping and how we can use that. Well, I imagine as a parent, it would make me feel like I wasn't as helpless. I had some tools that if she was feeling anxious that I could bring in to see if maybe they'll help her or not, but at least we can give it a try. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes I just ask her, is there anything um, that you want to use right now? And she would be like, okay, yeah, I don't want to do this or that. I can do that. So she doesn't even, she still, okay, she still needs me to be by her side when she does help herself get back. But now it's no longer just a one-way instructions on my part. It's, It's a dialogue where she can take part and she can choose because she knows what's in the tool set. So she can choose anything that she feels like doing right now. Well, sometimes she can be like, yeah, yeah. I don't want to do anything. Yeah. yeah, and I think this is the important thing about bringing these skills into EdCamp because it's chapter two of the C learning program. And this is something that's being taught to the teachers and the teachers can share it with parents and they can share it with others as well. And we've had a lot of parents that have come on our 
our um, our wellness calls. So let's just, I'm going to go back to that. I know we keep kind of segueing into something else. So when the war broke out, we had already a scheduled meeting. And so we all met together and you, um, Alexander, asked us if we would have a series of webinars. We were actually, we we're going to be planning a, a community resiliency model teacher training. Yeah. And, and so we said, okay, you were there. And so I sent you tons of material within a short, with really that same day. And the first four days of the war, we had a webinar every single day. So can you tell us about your experience with that? I know for me, I was working very hard giving, getting the materials to you. And I was very passionate about wanting to make this happen, knowing just like what you're sharing with us, if we could get these skills into teachers and parents' hands and children's hands, it might be a little thing that could help. So what was your experience during that time? Um, so my experience was, that during the first weeks of the full-scale invasion, because the war has lasted for eight years now, since 2014, but now it's it has spread um, about, well, not all across Ukraine, but to a larger part of it. So during those first weeks, um, I, I, com- I completely stopped working. The level of stress and anxiety and uh, in- uncertainty um was so high that I couldn't do anything. I mean, I did have some translation projects in place. At that time, I was doing some books, probably. I don't remember what those books were, but, you know, life was going on. And then one morning, we all woke up to these missile hits across Ukraine. And my city in the western part of Ukraine was hit that morning as as well on the very first morning of the full-scale war, which gave us this, you know, this feeling that we're not we're not protected. They can get us even here, even this far, even like 100 kilometers from Poland. They can still get us here. So that was a huge stress and huge anxiety. So I stopped all my projects. I, I, I just paused them. And I didn't even have to write emails to my publishers or anything because I knew they understood they they through the same situation. And nobody knew what was going to happen tomorrow, not to mention, you know, a couple of weeks from now to publish a book or not publish a book. So I stopped doing anything. But the only thing I would do as part of my, well, professional uh, part of myself, that would be those support calls because that was like an anchor every single day. And we did have them every single day for the first many weeks, I guess, before we uh, went down to three per week and then now weekly one. So that was my anchor. I knew that I could be as stressed and freaking out during the day as I needed to. But then at 5.30 cave time p.m., I need to be there because there will be people coming from a much more difficult circumstances than my own and that they need help. And as I was your voice, I had to be present. So that was like one hour or an hour and a half in my, in my every day when I was working, doing something meaningful and something that gave me this feeling of, I'm not like completely useless. I'm doing something because that, that feeling that was probably many people felt that during those first days, because some people, you know, when they, when they, um, um, in a difficult situation, they would start to be very active. They would be volunteering. They would go and buy stuff for the military. Um, they would help uh, IDPs and all those things. I wasn't able to do that, but there was something that these translations, these interpretations, there were something that I could do. And they were using my skills, my, my unique skills and talents, and I could put them into use to help Ukrainian people. So that was something that really helped me 
live through those first weeks because that was my this my little point of certainty in every single day. Huh. I've never heard you describe it that way because, of course, that little bit of um, certainty in your day was also quite meaningful. I think not only to our our support our volunteers from the Trauma Re- uh, Resource Institute, but for many of the Ukrainians, because I think we were also kind of surprised that I think it was, I don't know, it was day 37 that we saw that were like 80,000 views or something on on yeah. Ed Camp Ukraine's Facebook, that people were listening. I mean, to think about how many times in our lives do 80,000, I, I guess we can't say they were all people, but 80,000 views of what we mm-hmm. were doing. But also, I want to say to our listeners that Natalia was having to translate very difficult questions. People that were there live and they would say, you know, I'm thinking about throwing myself off a balcony and what can you help me with so that I won't? So, I mean, or I am, you know, I don't know if I can even focus on my children. I have pain all over my body. Um, Is this the way that it's always going to be? Um, I'm afraid of being raped or my my building, my, my office has been destroyed. How do I go and ever be normal again? Um, I guess, or one of the other questions that was, you know, standing in a line and half a shelling and half the people dying and half the people living. How do I go back to the bunker and be with my children and with my parents? So the these were not easy questions. And I'm just wondering is, but when you were doing it, it sounds like there was a higher purpose that it became, how do we help these people? Am I saying that correctly, Natalia, if you could maybe comment on yeah. that? Yes, you are saying it correctly. Uh, it gave meaning and purpose to my days um, then and um, I was just thinking right now Elaine that life is so beautifully made because all those um, sessions they were preparing me to uh, being a crim teacher because thanks to all those hours of interpretations I know so much more now than I would have known if I only attended you know a formal training because I've heard you and uh, the rest of your team from a Trauma Resource Institute answering those questions. I've heard, I've seen you dealing with people who are breaking down, literally. So this is, you're like ever present with me right now yeah. as I'm doing my own um, trainings. I haven't done much or many uh, so far, but I have to tell you that every single time when someone asks me a question, um, about the model, about the resiliency or the skills, I can hear your voice or I actually imagine you answering that question. That's oh. true. I'm like, what would Elaine say to this? I mean, and my first uh, my mm-hmm. first thought can be like, this is such a difficult question. But then I'm like, what Elaine, Elaine would say, she never, ever during those support calls in the very first weeks, which were terrible, she never, ever said, you know, I don't know how to help you. She never said that. So she always had a response. What would she say now? What would she suggest doing? And that's that's an experience I didn't ask for. And that's an experience I wouldn't probably choose for myself. But that's something that um, life gave me. And not just, you know, not just to have but to make use of it right now. And if that helps me help many more people, 
in addition to myself and my friends, I would be more than happy. Well, I think you're what we call a natural leader of your community. And that's what the Community Resiliency Model Teacher Training is all about. And we had, you know, 27 people that finished the training that it really was quite an honor for all of us. And, and I mean, I have to say, I'm very humbled by your sweet words. Um, I, um, I often say I want to be obsolete in the world. And so the highest honor for me is when someone says, oh, I can do this without you, Elaine. I can maybe hear your voice in my head, but now I have the skills, not only for me and my family, my friends, but also the wider community. And so now, Natalia, I understand you're doing your own community resiliency model workshops. So, and I know that our dear friend, Sarah Cook, um, enlisted you. Can you tell us a little bit about that now, how you're also paying it forward in a different way? Sure. That's another uh, miracle that happened to me because as I uh, graduated, so to say, from the community resiliency model training, um, I I didn't really know how I can uh, put those skills and the certificate that I now have into use. But then Sarah contacted me and because she needed someone in Ukraine who knew the skills and the model and who could speak English. So um, my my efforts are now a bit broader than my local community just because I speak more languages than Ukrainian so I can do something outside of my community for a larger community so to say so Sarah Sarah was invited to to have a training for uh, for an organization that helps um, IDPs in Ukraine so we trained the the staff of that organization who have very high levels of stress uh, talking to people who come from much more difficult circumstances than ours and so we had this full uh, two-day training, which was which was the first one for myself, and I was really anxious about it. But as as we started doing it, um, Sarah is such a great professional and such a um, resilient and sweet person. Sarah Cook, who is a community resiliency model teacher um, from I- from Northern Ireland, from Belfast, she's actually originally American, and she's but lived been living in Belfast for the last twenty years. Um, she's a wonderful community resiliency model teacher, yeah. and she leads the efforts in um, in Northern Ireland and in many places in Europe. But anyway, so you did the training, you did yeah. the training, and you and I think you're, are you going to be doing more trainings? I hope we are because uh, she has more requests from those uh, from that organization, which is a Hungarian organization, I guess, doing their humanitarian efforts here in Ukraine. So we have at least, I guess, two or three more requests to, to train their staff in different locations across Ukraine. And, you know, working with Sarah is, is great because despite uh, working in two different languages, in two different formats, because I'm here in Ukraine and she's uh, joining us uh, through the, through Zoom, and uh, I think that she made it. She made this experience so smooth and so so pleasant. I really, re- really appreciate that. Um, she's a great person and a great teacher. That's true. So and so, hopefully, you'll be able to do more teachings as. As it sounds like you will be doing more teachings and expanding yeah. your reach. So what what is the plan? Is there a plan that maybe I don't know about or that you might want to share about all the teachers that have been trained now as community resiliency model teachers in Ukraine? Um, is there some are there goals ahead for you all or is that still in form, formulation right now? I think we um, don't have like a goal for all of us as a group. 
because the uh, the people who went through the training were from different backgrounds and different organizations, different communities. But all those people who really um, um, made it through the entire training, they were really motivated and really interested. And they are saying that they have many requests for the model, for the skills from from their communities, their professional communities, their local communities. So I think each and every of them is having their like own individual plans and intentions. But um, I guess all of them with whom I communicated after uh, we finished the training, they all are very um, interested in in doing something. And they, I think they've already started doing something, which is don't communicate, you know, um, together. But I know about each of them that they are really excited about this, these new tools that they have to help their communities. They students, they are, um, many of them are, are actually uh, college or university teachers, professors, so they use it with their students. Others use it in their um, agencies or organizations they work with. So those might be different plans, uh, but the impact will be, I hope and I'm, I'm sure, impact will be, will be huge. Well, and I want to just say that this has been a humanitarian effort that has come out of um, the Trauma Resource Institute, who is our sponsor. So this was something that um, the goal was we wanted to help Ukrainians. And even though we didn't have a funding source from it, we had to really divert a lot of time and attention because we wanted to not only make the support calls work, but also the teacher training. There may be some funding coming from Save the Children that will help support this. And we're very grateful to them. that will help to offset a little bit of the costs of putting on on this uh, program. So I also want to let people know that people can directly donate to the Trauma Resource Institute, but also people can donate to EdCamp Ukraine. And I I want to talk a little bit about, you know, if you donate to EdCamp, what does that do for the teachers? And I know it's very important right now that people think about how we can further support what they're doing to really help the children and so many children have suffered as a result of the war. So can you tell us a little bit about that, Natalia? Sure. Uh, but before I say that, I would say that um, uh, we in EdCamp are very grateful for for all of your efforts, for all the efforts of the Trauma Resource Institute, because you, uh, you went, um, oh, I don't know if I can put it right in English, but you, you went to great lengths. Do you say that? <laughs> yes, <laughs> to, that's good. Thank to, you. You know, to help us, to support us, without really knowing um, if we can, if we can, um, well, yeah, if if if, okay, you just, uh, I'll put it this way: you you helped us so much without really asking anything from us back, and that's that's really really appreciated. Um, for Ukrainian Ukrainian teachers, EdCamp has this um, donation campaign, a crowdfunding campaign. That they uh, that they um, uh, launched as an as a part of the efforts to help teachers and schools and uh, you can donate through the page of this crowdfunding campaign and I think Elena I can give that to you and um, can you just can you say it out loud so our listeners can know what that um, is can they just go to like EdCamp um, no. Ukraine.ua the website no that would be GoFundMe.com then um, you, I think you can search for a campaign on the GoFundMe.com website. And the campaign is called Help Teachers in Ukraine Support Kids During War. 
help so teachers I, in Ukraine support kids during war and go right. to the GoFundMe camp, GoFundMe campaign. Okay. Or the page, GoFundMe page. Okay. Yeah. And then if you can say, and the web page for Ed Camp Ukraine is www.edcampukraine.ua. Is that the uh, website? Yes, it's .ua. Edcamp.ua. Yeah. And so just know that you could just put into Google EdCamp Ukraine and come up to their website. And also, there is um, a, a spot on that um, EdCamp Ukraine. Also, there's a Facebook page where you can listen to some of the recordings that have been done from the start of the war where we offered help to the Ukrainians. So if anybody, yeah, there, it's there on the EdCamp Ukraine Facebook page. And on the YouTube channel of EdCamp Ukraine, all of the sessions are there. Yes. Thank so you. we we wanted they wanted to make sure that people who would could not you know benefit from being there live could go back and listen to the multitude of questions that have been asked to us over the last nine months because I don't think we we anticipated Natalia that we would see each other every week for nine months um, that's what it's been and you know that we are there with you um, for as long as you need us we only have a couple minutes left. And is there if there's anything you want to say right now to our to our listeners at Voice America? Um, I would like to say that we are so grateful to everybody who supports us right now because you know I spoke about Ukrainian nation's resiliency as a result of you know some historical and and genetic things, but in fact, being supported from everywhere. It's such a huge thing. I mean, we never knew that so many people would care about us. Because as I said at the beginning, people didn't even know where Ukraine was. People didn't know that we were different from Russia and that we actually speak different languages and have different histories. So um, you would never expect that so many people and organizations and nations and governments would, would stand by your side. But now that they do, every individual effort and every collective effort is so priceless because they help us near the victory. And the victory is, is our ultimate goal that we all are moving to. Well, I just want to thank you so much, Natalia, for taking time late in your day to be with us. I hope people have learned from you about how to build resiliency, even during the most difficult of life experiences. And and also, I'm just so, um, oh, I just, I just have so much admiration for all that you've done and all the people that we've met. And I am really grateful, I think, to... Uh, I guess I'd say to Emory University for having me go to New Delhi to and I where I met the Ukrainian wow. delegation and I feel so fortunate that I was in Kharkiv in 2019 where I truly were was embraced so wholeheartedly by the Ukrainian people which makes me embrace you back. So listeners remember what else is true in your life as hard as things can be you can always go to the iChill app learn the skills that we're talking about that can help you, and also to the Trauma Resource Institute page. So until next week, um, be well. And this is Elaine Miller-Karras signing off for Resiliency Within. Thank you so much for joining us this week for Resiliency Within. Please tune in again next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Elaine Miller-Karras, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again soon.
Resiliency Within with host Elaine Miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute Incorporated. Visit traumaresourceinstitute.com.